Jack's RPG Podcast. I'm in Max, 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 Pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon. Why, hello, and welcome. We're sm- we have a small screen. I wonder why we- our screen is so small. I Maybe mean, it's because there's only two of us. Yeah. No, I got a big screen. Well, oh wait, I, I resized the screen. Did I just fuck it up? Did I, I did I fix it? Yeah, Old pretty, men in tech. Look I at pretty this much fixed it. It's like my screen. Just... But I, I I resized the I resized the window and it resized it in OBS. I'm like, what the fuck? All right. Anyway, hi. There's there's settings in this that I never use, and every now and again I click on something. Oh, oops. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for season twenty eight, episode three of Happy Jack's Jeopardy podcast. My name is Stu. I'm Stork. In this episode, we're going to discuss science fiction settings, and then Taylor from Virginia writes in with a play yourself success story. That's the one we bumped from last week. And Mike in PA writes in about writing a good game pitch. But first, if you'd like to email us, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. We're on the social meteors. We're on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and MeWe. Happy Jacks RPG, all one word. Also... But I'll talk a little bit about it because I got back on Reddit in the last couple of days. I don't know if you've been following the news about Reddit there, Storkus. Yep. There's a, there's a Happy Jacks Reddit. Did you know that? No. No, I did not. Tyler started it long time ago, and he finally made <laughs> me an admin on it. So r slash Happy Jacks. So if you want to go out of the Reddit and bitch about us, because that's pretty much what people do on Reddit. You can go complain. <laughs> no, I don't need and, to read more bad press and I about won't, me. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you. I'll, I'll tell you what everyone says about you. But and also, uh, we, we do the show live at hap, at uh, seven p.m. Pacific time. Um, go to happyjacks.org slash live, and you can see us on the YouTubers and on the tweet on the on the Twitches. And uh, I think that's it. Oh, so, so of course you know the reason I went to Reddit. No, because I well, wanted I wanted to join Wall Street bets. Yeah, I was gonna say, are you gonna you, you were that, to do the whole Robin Hood thing? And that is not ro- not Robin Hood. Well, no, Robin Hood is that is an app that. Yes. Yeah, yeah there that's that's some shady stuff. Although I will say I have a Schwab, I have a Schwab account, and I went into my Schwab account. And it's like on the day this the news like really broke big because I'd been hearing about it for a couple of days because there's a couple of podcasts I listened to that had mentioned it. And, uh, and by the way, we're talking about the GameStop stock right uh, AMC. It's, it's basically a grassroots pump and dump so instead of the people instead of the experts on on cnbc or fox business news or bloomberg doing a pump and dump it's just a bunch of ordinary people on the internet who got together and decided to do their own and uh, it's raising some interesting questions and it's ruffled a bunch of feathers it's i'm glad crazy. it's ruffled a bunch of feathers <laughs> <laughs> but so i so i went in and i got, was able to get into the group and I guess they also had a Discord that they got kicked off of. Cause, and I don't know, I don't know who these, who all of these people are, but there might be some shady people in there. I don't know. But um, basically, they ended up doing a margin squeeze. I don't know if it was intentional or not. The thread in on that subreddit is so huge, and I'm not going to sit there and sift through all of it to try to figure out what their motives were. But they ended up either intentionally or in, unintentionally putting a margin squeeze. You know what a margin squeeze is? Mm-hmm. They put a margin squeeze on the guy who owns uh, Merlin Capital, and by the time they were done, because his margin call already happened, apparently. What's merging? What's, what's Merlin Capital? What, it what is a. They... It's a. It's a hedge fund. Okay. It's an investment firm, but it's a hedge fund. So a lot of shorts, and uh, by the time they were done, because they pumped that stock. From two two dollars and fifty five cents. Well, I don't know when when they started, but the the fifty right. two week low was like two dollars fifty five cents, somewhere around there. And they pumped it up into the six hundred dollar area. Oh, I know. Right, you know, a bunch of hedge funders were like counting on it getting so low, and they were you know and basically betting. This guy's margin call happened when this thing was up in the stratosphere and five hundred dollars a share or something. So he ended up having to take. A, a like twelve or thirteen billion dollar bath <laughs> on this lost everything completely lost everything and uh, and, and to, between yesterday and today I myself made eight hundred dollars on on GameStop stock. <laughs> Did you sell it? Of course I sold it. Right. 
I bought See, two shares. I bought two shares at at under two hundred dollars. I'm like, I'll, I'll say goodbye to that. <laughs> and that and that was yesterday, eh, twenty minutes before close. And then this morning, forgot all about it. I, I, I got up this morning. I'm like, and I, and I checked my Schwab account, and it's like, oh, those two shares are now. And I bought them for less than four hundred dollars, and now suddenly they're worth almost seven hundred dollars to sell. So I sold those. <clears throat> and then I started thinking, you know, if I put some real money in this, see, that's where they get you. <laughs> that's, and then, so, but I did, I did, I, but I wasn't paying attention to the clock. Uh oh. So I'm like, yeah, I'll go ahead and I'll place an order. And I ended up buying, and this is it at this point. It's because it, it, it's going like this all day long because it's a fight now between a bunch of people who are holding short positions who are trying to manipulate the price back down where it probably should be, yes, and a, a bunch of other people who are who love chaos who, who people like you they're like just making a quick buck you know they're like well, well see that they're, these people are holding on to, these people are holding on to the stock because there's i guess there's more there's more margin calls coming up for some of these guys on this stock they took one guy out yeah i think they're trying to take out more so so I, I ended up buying, it was close to $300 a share. I think it was right at or just barely over that. And I bought six grand worth of worth of it. And I'm like, Whoa. but I'm going to watch this like a hawk, right? And then I'm like, well, when does the market close? I'm like, fuck, it closes in 15 minutes. Damn it. Refresh, 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 refresh. Oh, shit, it went up 20 bucks a share. So... <laughs> Made it. This, I mean, and, and that stuff I never do when investing. But it, it's so chaotic. It's like... yeah. It's There's a fun. pretty good chance that I can come out with at least at least I can. It's right? bumping up and down so much. I can so at least quickly. get back to where to to break even point. So if you check it every twenty minutes. Or oh, something, I sold it. I, oh, well. I, no, no, that's what I'm saying. It's like you could probably make some quick cash, and that's why I'm thinking it's doing that. Is a bunch of people are doing exactly that and making. They might yeah, sure. I mean, it, it's the per right, right now. You now this all all change on Monday. I'm sure, but right sure. now, well, up until market close, it was like the perfect day trader stock. Yeah, it's exactly. literally just going like this all day long as people fight over this. Or did they buy it, sell it, buy it? Just like just like you did. You could buy it for two hundred, sell it at three hundred, buy some more. You know, when it dips back down below three hundred, buy selling again at four hundred. You know, and it and you could. Through the course of a day, probably make some significant cash. Yeah, but you gotta watch it. Like you said, refresh every. And I actually knew a guy at work that that's kind of what he did. Oh, like he's day he trader. Things. He would watch those things. Nah, and he was, you know, it was sort of like gambling. It was just sort of like he'd make twenty bucks here, he'd make a hundred bucks there, he'd lose two hundred bucks. You know, it was just sort of a thing to do. You know, just turn on his computer and play with his imaginary money. And I, so I can I can now say since it, since it sounded like I was giving financial advice I don't own any of those stonks anymore I'm out of all of them <laughs> I it killed me the whole thing the whole thing just killed me anyway that's not why we're here no <laughs> it isn't well but you know because of modern technology it's like things that would have seemed so crazy in the past you know the the, the game pit was all about stock trading oh yes commodity pit, trading right? yeah. And and you know they would they were, could only do that during a certain amount of time, and you had to be in there and, and dealing with thing or on the phone with a dude. And nowadays, we could sit in our homes, <laughs> just Bob, access the stuff. Bobcat in the form. He, it was no mere hedge fund. <laughs> well played. It was going to be your T-shirt. It was no mere. Hedge fund. I am no mere hedge fund. <laughs> well played, Bob. Oh Thank my you. god. Thank you for that. All right. Um, science fiction settings. I was thinking about this because I've been watching uh, Stargate. The Stargate, because there's been three series. I guess there's they made some movies. Yeah, well, there, there was the original was. film, but I guess they made a movie or Arc of Truth or, I don't know, some other stuff. So I started I, I, I started on, I watched um, Atlantis. And I liked Atlantis. Atlantis was fun. Um, and then I watched uh, Stargate Universe. Which is way darker. It's more like a combination of like Star Trek Voyager and Battlestar Galactica. Battlestar Galactica is pretty bleak. It's that bleak. It is that bleak. (laughs) It's it's these people who get... These people are going into this area because they figured out a way to, 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 to use the Stargate to get to this... What they... Hypothetical or theoretical 
ancient starship that's traveling automated around through from galaxy to galaxy. But the people who are going aren't the people who they're going to eventually send on to the starship. But I, the, but I, don't, I can't remember what happened. But there was like explosions and people shooting, and so they all had to run in through the through the Stargate, and they all ended up being stranded on this ship, millions and millions of of light years away from our our galaxy, and and it's it, it's it's really bleak and real dark, totally different tone from Atlantis, and now I now I've started on the original SG one. And I'm I'm at season five now. It gets good in season three. I think most shows that run a while like that get good at season three. But yeah, it, 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 I mean, it, it, it picked. It, I I watched the first couple of seasons, and I mean, it, it wasn't one of those shows where I'm like, oh, I can't miss this. Mm-hmm. But if it was on, I'd watch it because it's science fiction, lot, and it wasn't bad. I a lot of the first series, I don't, and then maybe some of Atlantis, but I never really got fully. I never fully went down the rabbit hole. It was, but it it's, it's been interesting. But it, you know, watching that and also the 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 new um, expanse, the, the new expanse season is slowly rolling out. Might be finished. Might be all completely out by now. But I'm I've been watching and consuming a lot of science fiction, and I'm and I'm want, thinking about like the sort of the assumptions that they make about science fiction, mm. about and and one of the. I mean, you you can divide science fiction up in a lot of different ways. A lot, but I one mean, one of the way yeah. one of the things that at least theme wise that seems to be real common is what happens with people because it you know you know we we know what what we're like what human civilization is like now and what's it going to be like hundreds of years from now or thousands of years from now or whatever and what is going to be what you know. Are we going to evolve? Is our society going to evolve and become, you know, a more quote unquote enlightened society? That's sort of one sort of one way you could divide it because you can look at things like certainly Star Trek Next Generation. That's a sort of an idealized, sort of utopic setting. Uh, you could make the same argument for uh, Starship Troopers very different ideology behind it but also it, it's more it, the it, it's more like a this is the this is the this is the way civilization or whatever need will go it may be more predictive than it is um what's the term i'm looking for aspirational <clears throat> but um i think that there there that that there's a dividing line there between do people become better or do they stay assholes? You know, you know what I'm saying? I, I do. And I there, do. And and you and you definitely the other side of that is also some fine science fiction. Firefly certainly. Mm-hmm. I mean, most people who are playing Traveler are probably making that similar assumption. Certainly, the Traveler setting the uh, the Third Imperium is not a utopic setting in any way. No. Um, and I think, I mean, for role-playing games, I think the latter, the people aren't, or people or society, I mean, it's, are kind of go hand in hand, aren't going to evolve into a better a better thing. It's just same, same fuckers, better technology. Basically, kind of the, the assumption on that side. Do you see what I'm saying? I do. Um, you're sort of, I don't want to say glossing over, but you're sort of simple oversimplifying because I was thinking of uh, Asimov's Foundation series, mm-hmm. where the humanity spread out to the stars, and then they just get isolated in these little pockets, and some sections are more advanced than others, and then they reconnect again, you know, centuries later, and some have more technology, some have leftover technology, some have degressed, some have progressed. And I know uh, the Honor Harrington universe kind of has the same thing going on as well, where each sort of galactic star system that's governed by individual, you know, it's got its own governments, has its own technological advances compared to others. Mm -hmm. So sometimes even in these idealized sort of science fiction things, there's, there's always sort of pockets of people that are more advanced, even in Dune. You know, there were pockets of people that were more advanced than others, and sometimes. It yeah, was, it but was, you're talking about technology, though. Are the people are, are the people still just fuckers? 
<laughs> that's what I'm talking about. It, yeah. Really, because and the whole reason I, I thought of this is is I, I read an article because I mean, uh, God, this was years ago. It was about did, did humans developing a civilization slow or stop our evolution? The obvious answer to that is no, because evolution happens on all kinds of different fronts and on all kinds of different scales. I mean, there's things happening right now, probably with coronavirus, that is putting pressure on the on the population as a whole, and it's might select out some, you know, there might be some little antibody that works a certain way that that, that, that might make make it easier for you to sure. die from it. Who knows? I mean, who knows? So there's all kinds of little fiddly things that are going on with evolution that don't have anything to do with our society. But I think um, the that the, that idea of will people evolve to the point where they will they will develop a better civilization or not? And that's a big question, and I think that is a fundamental question most people ask when they're building a, a, a sort of a science fiction setting or a world. Because I mean. The see Asimov Foundation very specifically was like no people aren't going to evolve to be able to build a better civilization. Civilizations are going to rise and fall like they've always done in the past. What we're going to do is build something else that's outside of civilization that will be able to ensure that we don't have to start with rocks and sticks when 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 civilization collapses again. Right. Um. That was the foundation, obviously. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, uh, who, who who was it that said this? Uh, yeah, Bobcat said, I don't think the foundation will hold up as written. It does not. I've re-read it recently, like within the last two years. It does not hold up. There's a lot of swooning female characters in that, in that story. <laughs> it's like, oh, <laughs> it's all over the place. It was definitely a... a, a uh, product of its time of the 50s yeah well i mean and asimov to his credit maybe to his detriment was unbelievably prolific it's like he was cranking these things out left and right and i oh, yeah. you know not just foundation he wrote i don't i don't, I don't want to go on record to how many but i'm going to say over 100 books <laughs> oh i'm it probably like it, he wrote because he, he didn't he like write textbooks and shit too he wrote all that yeah, yeah but, he wrote all kinds of stuff good so I'm going to, you know, give him a pass because he's cranking these things out so quickly that, you know, he probably didn't have. And he was one of the first, you know, <clears throat> writing writing long form hard sci-fi. It was the 1950s. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly don't know. I'll look. I'll look it I up. Mean, you bring up an interesting point about people just being fuckers. I mean, other than 2001, can you think of a, of a story where people become advanced and not? advance to a next phase of existence that is you know humans do not not encountering aliens that are more advanced but is there a, i can't i've never read one i'm sure there's out there where that they are people have advanced to a point where they're not just fuckers well it's star trek next generation which one of the problems with that series one of my problems with it is the characters are so flawless for the most part it's fucking boring Everything that every con- source of conflict that happens has to come from outside. It has to come from other aliens, from some other society, or something like that. The only, the only character that had flaws, which is a character they specifically made to make at least one person who wasn't perfect, was what fucking uh, Matt, Howling Mad Murdoch Barkley. They had to make a character with personal problems so they could have inner crew conflict. Because otherwise, they weren't really having any. Unless an alien comes in and takes over someone's brain. So yeah, I would say Star Trek Next Generation, definitely. But I don't see that as any different than the original formula, either. I mean, that was that was the whole... You know, oh, it changed, with the, it changed with the times. I think it was still... I think the original series is probably as aspirational, but that aspiration sort of grew as the decades went on. Mm-hmm. But I think um, th- that one is certainly one where people have evolved to a different, to a, a, a higher point. I mean, one of the interesting... Well, their society did, but I don't think they did. They still have <clears> their <throat> base instincts, sure. still made mistakes, but no. I don't see them as people that have evolved into another 
you know, a higher plane of existence. No, not a higher plane of existence, but they've they, they've they've evolved the the sort of violent, um, greedy, all of the things that are that are just just very common were almost unheard of in the next generation. Oh, the, the the sort of character flaws that you would have that you would think of today. It wasn't just civilization that changed in Star Trek. It was the people. I never really got that from there. I always figured them as being very regimented and very disciplined. Um, yeah, as maybe. a product of their society. That's fascinating. I didn't see them as any better or different than. I mean, and, and you're, you're only seeing one tiny little segment yeah. of, of the Star Trek civilization because, you, you, like, you don't see enlisted men, no, or enlisted persons. Right. And I'm assuming they're there, unless everybody gets to be an officer. <laughs> Maybe that you're an officer, and you're an officer, right? An officer. <laughs> someone's mopping the floors. I mean, maybe they probably got robots for that. But I mean, someone's doing something that they don't want to do <laughs> on that on that ship. I would think there's well, some guy who has to around. who has to run around with wrenches and fix shit. Well, that was always the engineers were in the Jeffrey tubes tweaking stuff, you know, and then all right. the ensigns were walking around with, you know... Uh, there are also all the bodies off. flying out when, when there's a hole breach. <laughs> right. <laughs> but um, I, I don't... I mean... Uh, what is it, what is it you're, you're, you're trying to get out of this? Well, this I'm just sort of thinking about the, the sort of, the sort of, what sort of assumptions do, do you make about a science fiction setting? And I think that w- that is a big assumption that ends up being made. Is is is, is human civilization going to be... Because like, when I ran the Exodus game, human civilization was no better than it was before. Right. It's just as fractured. People are still you know, like stabbing each other in the back, and it's just there. People are just fuckers. Mm-hmm. And then, but but I mean, but <clears throat> and that is definitely not what, especially the later Star Trek is is trying to convey. That's that's a, a, a totally a different sort of. I'm picking on Star Trek. I should pick pick something else. Um. Well, but, it's kind of hard to because eh, maybe first ba- of all, maybe always, Babylon I, Five. No, not Babylon Five. Bab- they're fuckers too. But see, I, I always I have a hard time with science fiction because it's so varied, and you can parse it into so many different things. You know, from cyberpunks to post-apocalyptic to I mean, even something like Arrival, where it's really just a modern-day world, but like some fifth-dimensional creatures drop in and give us knowledge. You know. Right? Or even Close Encounters. That's a science fiction story, but it's it still takes place in a very right. mundane, modern. You know, well, I'm Earth. talking. I'm talking about science fiction settings. Yeah, is what I mean. <clears throat> but I mean, like, <clears throat> uh, if you think about like the Uplift series, there again, you've got. I think the Uplift actually is kind of playing almost. The, the, that series almost plays with this sort of assumption about what's going to happen with human society in the future, because. Are you familiar with the Uplift books? I know the, the general ones. I okay. haven't read them. Just, I just to sort of like a, as a like a, just a, a quick summary. Humans start experimenting with dolphins, chimpanzees, and gorillas, uh, and try to basically make them sapient, and they succeed. Um, then they s- bump into this vast intergalactic civilization where uplifting where, where you know genetically modifying a, a pre-sapient species into a sapient species is a matter of course and all of the species that exist in the galaxy except for humans <clears throat> uh, were uplifted by a previous species and there's a huge hierarchy of ex- some extremely uh, yeah sorry spoilers some extremely powerful civilizations that could squash us like ants. And the only thing that saved human civilization is the fact that there are... What spoilers on a 20-year-old book? <laughs> the only thing that saved hu- humanity <clears throat> is that the all of these other great civilizations suddenly realized, oh wait, humanity ha- already has uplifted two client species. That puts us as a, as a certain status within this intergalactic society, even though a lot of them don't like it and will probably try to kill us all anyway. But it puts us in a very tenuous position because now we're suddenly a patron species 
and we ourselves were never uplifted by anyone and never taught how to be good good members and good citizens of the five galaxies that make up this massive civilization who knows if we were uplifted we don't know and there's some interest if you ever read the there's a um the source book uh steve jackson games wrote a gurps uplift source book and in that they talk about the fact because i don't think this is ever mentioned in the books i'd have to reread them to make sure but there is um they, they, they had, I, think, I think they called them probationary people or something like that. And it's people who don't get the importance of what's going on and how dangerous the situation is and decide to just basically act like the typical ugly American going to Europe on vacation. <laughs> they lock them up. They put them away and hide them away from the aliens so they can't interact with them because they want all the aliens to think, oh, no, yeah, we're super evolved. Oh, yeah. Yep. You bet. We know exactly what's going on. Yeah, we're yeah, we're we're good. Don't pay no attention to the. Don't look at us or our camps of people who aren't thinking correctly. <laughs> so, in, in in a way, it kind of it says, "Oh yeah, no, this is a, a society where you know we're not fuckers anymore." It's like, no, we're still fuckers. We're just hiding the fact that we're fuckers, which I thought was an interesting way to kind of play on that on that aspect of of science fiction. One of the the other things I was thinking about was like aliens. Mm-hmm. What did because I mean in um, you get a plethora of different kinds of aliens in like Stargate. Obviously, you know the, it's a Planet of the Week show, so they go to the planet and it's real cheap to make low tech stuff. Mm-hmm. So most of the planets they go to are lower tech, and there's you know there's some sort of flaw in the society and things like that. And um, but then like then you know back to uplift. Or the or the the David Brin series, um, we're at the bottom of the totem pole when it comes to 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 being technologically advanced compared to everyone else, and we're like century millennia behind. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> yes, but I've also read stories where it's the opposite is true, where the humans right. are the more advanced than you know, and they come in and behave like assholes because it's i mean if we're starting to starting to look at science fiction tropes like that i mean it's i guess you could say that there's the there's the trope where the humans are the are the most advanced and they're the they're the ones that come in and you know they're the gods and then there's the ones where other people are the gods aliens come in and and point out to humans how insignificant they really are and sometimes it's a blending of the two. I mean, in one of the Star Trek movies, didn't the Vulcans come down and point out to us, like, we've had warp for centuries, and you guys just now discovered it? They, um, they waited until they had warp to, to in, in order to contact them. They right. figured that was the thing that would that would make them... That, that was the point at which it was safe to contact them. Very similar to Uplift in there. You know, we're now in a different hierarchy, and we can now be trusted and contacted. Well, see, the, 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 the reason that humans stand out in Uplift is there is no species that wasn't uplifted except for the quote-unquote ancients, which is the species long, long ago of myth and legend that no one ever actually remembers that uplifted the first original species that populated the galaxies. Humans were considered what what they referred to as a wolfling uh, species, as in they raised themselves. Mm-hmm. And 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 there's a bunch of people or a bunch of other players in this thing who are like, no, that's not possible. Someone secretly uplifted them. We need to find who it is first. We need to subjugate them, and then we need to find out who it is that who it is that that uplifted them without having a proper contract or whatever. Whatever the fuck well, they there was called. an obelisk that they found, and then it was on the moon. Then, <laughs> no, now you're yeah. mixing stories. <laughs> um, I don't know. I love I love science fiction because of all the various possibilities that you can have. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I read a lot of fantasy. In fact, most that's most of what I read. But I know when I'm playing science fiction, there's so many possibilities. Like I said, you can still be playing on Earth, and aliens come to visit, or. Uh, interdimensional portal opens up and you fall in and so you're somewhere else. I mean, or you can be playing hard science fiction with you know no gravity, like oh you know, no no fake spaceship. gravity. Yeah, uh, you could play. They always tried know, science to... fantasy, science fiction fantasy, like Star Wars, where you have you know space <clears throat> Jedi and wizards. You can be playing um, 
a mixture of the two. Like something like Traveler or something, they just ships kind of have gravity, and you know, they, they sort of follow. You know, eh, it's, it's a little squishy. Even like Firefly that way, it's like there's no way there'd be gravity on that ship. <laughs> They'd all be floating around. It's not that big, right? But uh, all that, all that being equal, there's so many stories you can tell in so many different ways in in all of science fiction. I mean, it, it's it is so. Um, rife with possibilities as in a gaming... I mean, even a superhero game can be a science fiction game, or a science fiction game can be a superhero game. Sure. There's so many possibilities that you can... That is a very... That is a very blended... Those are two very blended genres. Well, yeah. It's... I don't know. I I love it. But uh, it, it can also be... It can also be overwhelming sometimes. When you're trying to play a hard science fiction game, you know, and you're dealing with the tech, and you're dealing with robots, and... You're dealing with faster than light travel and stuff. Sometimes the the science of the science fiction gets in the way of your game, right? So you know it's kind of sometimes it's a trade off. Sometimes you end up like softening your hard science fiction just so that you can <laughs> have, a, have a more fun game. Oh, and I mean, I think that the, I know I I would be willing. Well, I would be willing to bet that artificial gravity was invented by the people who wrote the original Star Trek. Because it's like, how the hell well, are we going to have people hanging on wires the whole show? You know how expensive that's going to be? Well, it was in Flash <laughs> Gordon, too, you know? <laughs> it was, they were all walking around on their spaceships. I suppose. Well, yeah. But maybe that... Did they know there was no gravity in space then? <laughs> that's a long... You're talking about that a long time ago. It was like you're they blue know, monkeys. They you, know, ser- when you fall off the ship, you fall down. You go down. See, that's why. That's that's my favorite. I, my my science fiction setting is my favorite science fiction. Setting. <laughs> it was a big blue monkeys from outer space. I loved it. Space space has air, but it does get cold out by the outer planets. So bring a coat. Right. <laughs> it's just sort of space is just this big empty that you just you keep falling. If you fall off, you fall forever. You fall down. Well, you don't know where you go, but you go down. You hit the bottom eventually. There's a bottom to space. And there's a top, maybe, too, but we don't know, because it's hard to go up. <laughs> hard to go up in space. <laughs> yeah, for, the, for yeah. those who don't know, that was my setting that... It, it, it was sort of kind of a steampunkish science fiction setting where there were these giant dirigibles with gondolas that they used for spaceships to go between the planets. And it was more of sort of a comedic setting, <clears throat> but... Space had an up and down, and there was also atmosphere. And you would—I mean, they would—they li- were literally going around in dirigibles with cannons shooting at each other, which I thought it was, was sort, awesome. of, sort of Jules Verne. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Uh, play your self-success story from Taylor in Virginia. Hello, lovely podcast hosts. I wanted you to be sh- talking about us. <clears throat> no, he was probably not expecting it was going to be in me. <laughs> I wanted to share a thank you for a tip I heard on the show years ago, as well as share the associated success story. Some years ago, you mentioned the idea of create yourself as a character in relation to a convention game idea. Uh, in the summer of 2019, one of my best friends was getting married for the bachelor party I planned. We went to a cabin in the woods to hang out for the weekend. The groom-to-be is an RPG buddy of mine and asked me, as the best man, to run an RPG session on Saturday evening. I decided to steal the idea of make make a character of yourself for this. We used D&D 5th edition for the game. The setup was simple. It's the day before your wedding. We just finished the rehearsal dinner, and the groom has gone missing. You, as the groomsman... Must find the groom before tomorrow, and you all know better than to bother the bride-to-be about this. Also, inexplicably, everything becomes a fantasy world for the evening. Don't think about it too hard. (laughs) Bill and I ran a game where everyone played themselves, and and we were missing. (laughs) Really? Yes. It was awesome, because we told them... I'll I'll, I'll read his email first. Okay. Um... It went so smoothly, the players in attendance ranged from zero RPG experience through occasional player up to regularly GM's other games. For each of them, there was immediate understanding and buy-in for what would happen. The veteran players helped the new ones draw up character sheets. Um, 
just a little three just a little level three romp and then everyone had a great time romping around the groom's home city running into wacky improvised obstacles at places we thought the groom might have gone to in short if you're in need of a one-shot session involving too many players we had seven to eight and a large range of RPG and acting experiences, I hardly recommend make yourself a character to get over role-playing hurdles and hesitations. Uh, Taylor from Virginia. That actually sounds like a lot of fun. It's like the hangover. You're playing the hangover game. Kind of, yeah. The, yeah, the, the, the game Bill and I ran, we told everyone, make yourselves as a character and then show up at our house at X time. Okay. And I've, we, heard, I've heard this story. I'm, I'm sure I've told it. And we unlocked the back door because everyone came through the back door of our apartment in Long Beach because there was that's where that the parking apartment. was. <clears throat> and then we shut off the circuit breakers to our apartment. And then Bill and I were upstairs and we had drawn on the ground with something. I don't remember how we did it with a string or something. We didn't actually draw on the carpet. But we like drew like a pentagram, and there was some stuff around, and we're both sitting there like in the in a in a uh, like a meditative position, and we're not unresponsive. And so the people came in; we could hear them coming in. We're both like, <laughs> and they're downstairs, and we and we had left like some clues around, and the stuff was disheveled and shit. I think like the couch was turned upside down and stuff like that. So people came in immediately; it looked like a crime scene, and they're like. I can't see anything. Should we go upstairs? I don't know. Let's, let's look at... I, look, I found this. And they found, like, notes and stuff. And then uh, one of the... One of the... Uh, um, clues is we wrote... And someone found it. And I don't remember who it was or how they figured it out. But we wrote with... Um, <clears throat> What did we use? It was sounds like, like a lot, chap, like chapstick or something. Backwards, help us on a the downstairs bathroom mirror. So if you turn the hot water and it fogs up the mirror, mm-hmm. the message would appear. And someone found that shit. And then they're like, "Someone, the lights aren't on. Can someone find the circuit breaker?" And then you hear the lights all, all the lights come on and all this stuff. But and then we let we had like a tape recorder that had a message that was backwards. It was like all kinds of shit. It was all kinds of stuff. And I don't even remember what the gist of it was, but we had been sucked into basically some sort of like, um, this was just the intro. It was, we'd been sucked into something, some other dimension or something. And so everyone had to like go in and follow us and rescue us was basically what the adventure was. Sounds like a LARP. I mean, it only started, it started out like that, but then as soon as they got to the point where they would, they would have gone into the portal that we had gone into. That's when we're like, okay, now we can go downstairs and, and just play the game. And, and then, the then it became a tabletop game at that point. That's cool. Yeah, it was fun. It was a lot of Fully fun. Fully interactive. Um, we did, a, I think, a Champions game where it, we'd or, we were all making, you know, idealized versions of Batman or whatever. And finally, we're like, why don't we make ourselves as our... as, as So we had... I mean, I played myself, and I turned into, I think, Thor. It was a Thor art knockoff. And another guy did a... Um, Captain America knockoff, but it was him in our secret identities, and we played in Portland where I grew up. So, and there's something kind of fun about playing in places that you know. You know, like you could go to your school. And oh yeah, where all the stores were, and it was like there was a shorthand. It was like, okay, we're down here, and so everybody's so like, when you said you were at the cross section of like you know first and 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 A Street, they were like, oh, I know exactly where that is. So everybody knew what was there. Right. So like when you're having a a superhero battle in your in your city on these corners. There was there was no like, well, what's there? Can I grab this? Um, but then the, also just playing ourselves, which was kind of a little abstract and a little weird because people are you don't really play yourself. <laughs> you play games to escape from yourself, so you play an idealized version of yourself. Yeah. Oh, you know. it, we, we played another game where it was uh, post-apocalyptic fantasy. <laughs> And Brian ran it, and it, it originally started out as just a, just him and me and Fred were the only two players, I think, when it originally started. And um, there might have been one other player, I don't remember. But we were, um, this, basically this weird apocalypse thing happened, and suddenly everyone's gone. All the stuff is there, but there's no people anymore. So we're driving around basically trying to find other people. <clears throat> and... Brian and I got gotten a lot of fights about that. He's like, "No, we need to we need to go, go this and this and this." And I'm like, "No, we need to go to this and this and this because obviously, pretty much every RPG or has 
in their in the back of their head, this is what I'm going to do when civilization ends. There's my dog. I have a plan. Right. It's like every there at least you know that little uh, prepper amygdala in your brain. Stop. Oh my god. They're just trying over here. I know. Howling away. So um but yeah, doing that is fun. Now we always did it in GURPS because GURPS is a very flexible system. Of course, the pro- the problem is really well. when you start getting to your stats, like you're not that strong, you're not right, that smart, yeah, <laughs> you're not you that healthy. You're that good looking your Christmas now at ten, yeah. right? Everybody else here thinks it's Christmas at ten. You're a three, bro. What? Yeah. Um, I think I think I made it. I bought Sims once, and I think I made myself as a Sim. And there's nothing more depressing than watching yourself die a miserable, lonely existence as a Sim in the Sim universe. Yeah, don't do that. You get at some point you're tempted to oh, I'll just make myself, and so you do, and you kind of you know figure out the stuff that you think you are, and then you're like, this dude is lame. Oh yeah, uh, Eric Odd brought a point that 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 hits too close to home when you're playing. Uh, when people in the group have kids, I, I, yeah, I probably wouldn't even do it today because I mean, this is what what you did when you were young and single. Because it's right. like, yeah, if if I'm playing myself and the, like the world just ended, what are you going to do? Go find my fucking kids. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. That's it. And then once I find them, find some place to hide until they're adults and I'm dead. <laughs> yeah, my plan is to uh, take over a uh, a. Uh ocean liner like a princess ocean cruiser or whatever and just because it makes its own water they've got plenty of food they've got you know medical facilities and yeah it's a big floating city right so like when the zombie apocalypse happens i just get on there and go three miles out and just wait it out perfect unless well yeah, even if the zombies can can go in the water they're going to go underneath the boat they're not going to be able yeah. to get to the boat they can't yeah. swim yeah some, you might movie. have uh, you might have some floaters though there might be some some that are like but, They'll get eaten. They'll get eaten by the fish. They swell up from the gases and boop, 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 like buoys. You can't get on a ship unless you drop the anchor and they climb up the chain, but they just, there's no way to get onto a ship. I guess not. I don't know. Anyway. I don't know. You got to worry about Zolfin. I've talked about this before. I actually have a whole movie written now called Zolfin. Right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right, thank you, thank you, Taylor, and I'm glad that. Uh, the, the, see, I, I don't know if it was a con game we were talking about, but we we used to do that when I was in college and and in the years afterwards all the time. So this sounds awfully close to your story, so it's not mine where we had played ourselves as superheroes. It must be yours where you're. Well, in yeah. the in the in the post apocalyptic thing, when when the 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 apocalypse thing that actually happened happened to us, we got transported way far into the future and he'd he'd turned the post-apocalyptic earth into a fantasy setting and i was a mage and a bad one <laughs> when you say bad you mean bad good or you mean bad? i mean bad i mean bad incompetent bad evil no oh, bad okay. incompetent ah no that sounds like you yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'll get it really? figured out just leave me alone <laughs> you really you want to <laughs> I've got this. I can um, do it. You really weren't a bard. That's funny. No, I wasn't a bard. No, I was a mate. I was a. I was an earth mage. I eventually learned stone missile, and I could just kick the shit out of people. They, they had us. Um, uh, Brian had us reprise reprise the characters. Uh, me and Bill went up and visited him. Visited him when he lived over in Lawndale, and uh, I think it was Lawndale, and. Uh, and he like said, "Oh, well, give yourself each like fifty XP or something, because it's been like you know ten years." So I, I'm like, buy up all my spells. I'm not going to be a shitty mage anymore. <laughs> that was a fun. That was a fun game because one of the one of the uh, players had a character who did not believe that magic was real. That's it was illusions. Funny. It was like you know tricks. It's like stage tricks. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, writing a good game pitch from Mike and Paul, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Nice doing, crew. You mentioned you were low on emails in recent episode, season twenty-seven, episode twenty, perhaps. So, here's something I've been ruminating on. And we are still low on emails, by the way. Yep. Uh, how do you write a good game pitch? What do you say to entice a handful of players? In my case, friends, but could be for the uh, friendly local gaming store bulletin board crowd future con signups etc into making characters for the game that you want to play or gm for 
What sorts of things do you say to set up expectations, to mold the fun a bit, to avoid the ninja in a Wild West scenario? <laughs> you cannot play a ninja. Is <laughs> 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 that song still around? You need to play that song. Bruh, perhaps Warning. you want to pitch... The following podcast may contain foul language. Oh, hold on. Offensive humor. That's not it. Which one is it? Oh, here. May I have your attention, please? You are listening to Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. The following show may be explicit. I said no, you can't play a ninja. This is an Old West game, and they didn't have ninja. That song? <laughs> yeah, I still got it. Yes. <laughs> I'm glad. I just you know, we need to play that just for some context. Uh, pitch but the uncommon. year is 1865, and historical records indicate there were definitely ninjas in fucking Japan. That's my favorite part. In fucking Japan. <laughs> yeah, I bust myself up sometimes. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> that's my favorite line of that whole song. Uh, maybe we should play it at the end, so those are the those people who are new who've never heard it can hear it. Um. So where is it? Uh, but a mold a bit of fun in a Ninja in the Wild West scenario. Perhaps you want to pitch an uncommon, read dirty hippie game or OSR, etc. system to the D&D 5e otherwise diehards. Keeping this broad, the game in question could be for a one-shot session, a short several session adventure, or even an epic years-long campaign. Mostly I've been thinking about tossing my hat in the GM ring for a short adventure while friends are feeling burnt out or uninspired in their games. Distance gaming is rough. Yes, it is. Thoughts, opinions, arguments. Wishing you all the best. Stay safe and game on. And at appropriate distance, that is outside of melee range. Mike in Pennsylvania. Um, what was the question? <laughs> how to how to write a pitch. game pitch to your group? Mm. I, ha- I I I have thoughts. Okay, go ahead. When I was uh, when I I worked for defense contractor McDonald Douglas back in the nineties. And at one point, they decided, for some reason, to send me to this very expensive proposal writing thing for a week in Utah. And that's why I learned how weird the people in Utah deal with alcohol. It's bizarre. Anyway, it has nothing to do with the story. So they actually sent me to this high-end seminar on how to write proposals for government contracts specifically what it was that's very cool yeah and i can tell you one of the problems you're going to have if you want to play a dirty hippie game and you and you're playing with dnd 5e diehards that's going to be a tough sell you have to come up with the things they like that intersect with the game you want them to play and if there aren't any you're going to have to make them up because <laughs> otherwise I don't know how you're going to do it. But I mean, OSR much easier. Hey, yeah, we've been playing D and D five E. How would you guys like to play the game based on the original D and D just out of nostalgia, sake and curiosity. If you're dealing with people who aren't like, you know, typical grognards are like, Oh, that'd be kind of fun. I wouldn't mind doing that. So you could probably easily get some get get them in to do that. Just go on the nostalgia side, just on the nostalgia track. That'd probably get them to at least at least do it. Plus, you can also you can say things like you already know the game mecha- game mechanics because it's D twenty. Although it's probably going to be Thacko or pre Thacko rather than what what they have now. And and but a lot of the tropes will be familiar. You know the, the the what will be different is the sort of the 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 more technical part of the dungeon crawl will be more of the measuring and all of that kind of stuff. So I mean you that would be an easier sell. I mean if you've got players who don't like the, all of the well no if you've got players who don't like all of the little fiddly parts of um, of five e. Like, I mean, you can have feats in 5e, and you know, I don't think it's quite as breaky as, as 4th edition or 3.5 were, but I mean, that it, it can, it can get, it can get, uh, uh, crunchy. Complicated. Com- complicated. Yeah. Then you, then if you're trying to say for like a PPTA game, hey, I have this game, it's very rules light, very narrative, 
in for the play you know you you're, you're doing that it's more of a kind of a divide and conquer thing you're going to try to target the players who don't like this thing about D&D and see if maybe this is an alternative maybe they might be willing to try this thing as an alternative it's so interesting to me so you're you're actively just trying to sell them on the system mm-hmm. because i would actually try to sell the story first and then I would shove the system down their throat. I, you know, I'd say something like, it's going to be Harry Potter meets the X-Men. It's going to be really, really cool. And we're going to play it in Savage Worlds. It's going to be fun. You guys will pick it up great. But it's going to be, you know, and try to... And so the elevator pitch would be about the sort of an outline of the story. Right. Um, and then hopefully that would entice them to put down their D20s and Thacko and, and pick up, you know... I would say even elements. in that situation, my advice is still relevant because you're going to want to tailor that to their interests yes. like if, if these people absolutely fucking hate harry potter and you say oh, yeah. it's harry potter meets x-men you're not going to say that you're going to say it's um it's uh, harry dresden meets x-men or well, it's yes uh, uh my little pony friendship is magic meets x-men <laughs> <laughs> right, you're gonna avoid uh, avoid the thing that they hate, and 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 that's that's basically what you're gonna you're you got to target it to the people that you're that you're trying to pitch it to. I mean, this isn't an elevator pitch where it's like this is a you know I've made a game and I need to have a you know a a three sentence thing that I say to people if they ask me what my game's about. This is you have a target audience here, so if you since you know who your target audience is, use that to your advantage. And try to figure out what it is they're going to like out of that system, or out of that setting, or out of that game, that story premise. I would, and tailor I would it still like make that. it an elevator pitch, though, as well. I still think that you can to further entice them. You know, make it a really quick synopsis of what you have oh, planned, sure. so that they have um, more impetus, perhaps, to take the leap of faith and try another system. You know, it's like I have this really cool thing. But I want to make it realistic, so I really want to run it in GURPS. Um, and here's the here's the outline. You know, here's here's what I have in mind. What do you guys think? Um, so they're like, "Wow, well, if we're going to be playing snipers, and we're actually, yeah, yeah, okay, all right, I'll, I'll you know, I hate GURPS, but I'll try it, um, or something like that." Because you want you want you want to try to get as many carrots in the basket for that don- for those donkeys to follow than just trying to say, um, "Hey, you know, I'm gonna." I'm tired of playing D and D, so we're going to play OSR. You know, or it's, I, I, I guess it has, you have to decide to yourself why it is you want to try a different system, and why the game that you're doing needs to be in a different system for these people, and then try to figure out if you want these people to play and what it is that they want out of it. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of little nuances <laughs> in there that you need to work out. But and then once you do, you know, sell it. <laughs> oh, it, James V said that's how I got my D and D only group to try other systems, selling them on the setting. Mm-hmm. They have now tried both Tales from the Loop and just started Judge Dread. Sell the story; uh, the system can follow. I agree. I totally agree. And something um, like Judge Dread and Tales from the Loop, this, their setting, their world setting, is so interesting that in order to to experience it, you have to take the system to go with it. You know, right. You have to play their system in it, and that's. That's a no-brainer, but it's really cool. You know, you show them the artwork from Tales of the Loop, and everybody's like, I want to do that, and they're in. Now you got them. There you go. And I, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, we could we could branch off a little bit in elevator pitches. I remember uh, years ago there was a guy that was had developed his own role-playing game at the cons, and he had his elevator pitch down. And I think he actually gave it to you in an elevator, so it was actually pretty funny. Um, and uh, it's just something that's practiced, where you you were, you hit the high points of of your gaming system or of your story, whatever it is. And that in and of itself is like um, there's seminars and classes taught about how to how to pitch a story or how to pitch it because people have very short attention spans, and you need to make your pitch really quick and really interesting. And it's almost like a comedian, you know. You need to hit certain beats, and you need to get it out really quickly and interesting. And even the way you tell it has to be done right. You sort of almost have to rehearse it. But I mean, the whole idea of an elevator pitch is is you are talking to someone who really doesn't hear what you have to say, and you're going to try to make it as compelling as you possibly can in the amount of time it takes them 
like if you get stuck in an elevator with them, yeah. or if they're literally walking from the elevator to their car outside, and you have and you have a you know eight eighteen yeah. or thirty seconds in which to to tell them what you're gonna. And people now about. with their short attention span, I think it's still good advice. Oh, it is. If yeah, you want I agree. them to switch, you got to come up with them. I guess what I'm saying is, come up with a really concise explanation as to why you want to do this thing because you're they're gonna you're gonna lose them after a minute of talking oh yeah and if you get if it gets too complicated like if you if it's if you're going after a setting it has to be concise because Mm -hmm. if it starts turning into a minute or two minute long explanation Mm -hmm. they're gonna say okay wait a second how much fucking history about this world am i gonna have to read to play this game and that's the other thing if you're gonna just send it to them in text like here's what i want it's like and drop a it needs to be a document on them you're gonna get a tldr yeah it needs to be a tweet yeah and you need to but you still need to make it interesting you know it's there's an art to it for sure um I think practice <laughs> practice what you're going to say to your to your group before you do. Because if you just get up there and ramble, they're going to be like, they're going to start looking at their phones, right? You know, and, ta- and 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 target their interests, target Absolutely. the shit that they like. I mean, if you want to play, let's say, let's say you just like, oh fuck, I hate D and I want to play a PBTA game. Is there someone in there who really likes superheroes? Maybe maybe you're going to go with masks or something like that, or. Or if there's something very something, if someone's a big fan of something, because if you can divide and conquer, if you can get one person, one of the your group of three or four players on your side immediately when you say, "Oh, I want to run this game," and it's going to be like 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 this series of books, and that person is like, "Oh, I'm I'm in." Suddenly, now you've got two cheerleaders rather than one. And Stu's a perfect example of this. For a while, he was running. I'm just going to say, at your peak, you were running five games at a time. I don't think I've and ever a lot of them were different systems. <laughs> Oh, I ran. I think three was the most I ran. Okay, and a lot of more different systems and different groups. I think I was in two, and then, but <coughs> you had targeted groups that had specific interests. You know, there were people that wanted to play a vampire game, and there were other people that didn't want to play a vampire game, so they played in another game. Right. And so you were juggling all these different games, but again, it boiled down to who was more interested in playing what system and what genre than others. And yeah. And again, you know, if you if all your D and D buddies. If, four out of the five are willing to make the jump to GURPS, that's fine, and the other one doesn't, that's fine. Four is plenty mm-hmm. for GURPS games. So. Yeah, chances are that le- that the one person left out is going to play anyway, they'll just complain about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hate GURPS. <laughs> I remember when, when we played <laughs> first time when we were playing, uh, when we switched from D&D 4th Edition to Hero to GURPS, Tyler is like, fucking hate systems that have defense rolls. <laughs> it's like, I hit. I should hit. I should be able to roll damage. Like, nah, that's not the way it works. Too easy to hit in this game. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and, and if you do get hit, you don't want to get hit either. No, you don't. All right. Yeah, we can call it there. All right. Yeah. We started uh, early. Thank you for joining us for Season 28, Episode 3 of Happy Jacks RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. I'm Stork. And we'll see you next week, 7 p.m. Pacific Time, happyjacks.org slash live. Please join us then. And until then, stay safe, and we'll see you next time. I'll play the the ninja intro as the outro. You'll like it. Maybe. It's stupid. Well, well, there might be people out there that haven't heard it before. That's true. It's been a long time since you played it. All right. Are are those songs still available, by the way? Uh, That one is I'd never released. I could re-record it and release it as an actual song. You can find you can find a lot of my stuff. Angry Folk Band, Angry Folk Band on um, shit Bandcamp. If you go to Bandcamp, most of it's up there now. So that's it. attention please you are listening to happy jack's rpg podcast the following show may be explicit i said no you can't play a ninja this is an old west game and they didn't have ninjas